Hey y'all, welcome back to In Killing Color. Yes, girl, we are back. <laughs> After 900 years, it seems like, but it was actually only like four months. July, August, September, October. Girl, it's been five months. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. But y'all heard my previous thing, so you heard what I said, so I'm not about to go back into that, all right? So you got it. Anyway, I have some great stuff to catch you up on, but we're going to start with what I mentioned a while ago that I did not talk about. But now that the trial is over, I feel like I can talk about it now. So today, for episode number 41, we're going to talk about Antonio Armstrong Jr. Now, I'm sure some people have heard about that, but I'm not sure... You know, if you've been living under a rock or you don't care about the news or you just don't give a fuck about nobody else's business like me. But I'm about to talk about it. So we're about to find out what Antonio did all those years ago and see what he's done now. Let's get to it. back to 2016 now for some of y'all I don't know what you were doing in 2016 for me I just had a baby a year prior and it was life was definitely lifing but not only for me was life lifing life for Antonio Armstrong Jr. was also lifing but not in a bad way because he was a very privileged young man he came from a very privileged background so when I hear stuff about these type of stories it's kind of like but girl, what was you going through? What was you doing? That, let, let me just, let me start from the beginning so you can know what I'm talking about, okay? So, seven years ago, there was a call to 911 by a teenager, and he said that he heard gunshots in his parents' bedroom. So, about six, seven hours later after police show up, AJ, which is what we're going to call him, Antonio Armstrong Jr., AJ was in handcuffs. And he was later charged with the unaliving of his mom, Don, and his dad, Antonio. Now, at this point, AJ is 23 years old. And the whole time he has maintained his innocence. And everything literally seven years later is still being investigated. I was about to jump through the end of the story. I ain't gonna, you know how I do. I ain't going to do that. But it's still being investigated. And it's wild. So today we're going to talk about that. And we're going to get into what really went on. But really... We don't know what's going on because the only people who know the truth are dead. The mama and the daddy are dead. Not Antonio, because he's still out here living his life, doing his thing, but his mama and them dead. And nobody wants to tell why they was dead. But we're about to get into what I did find. All right? Let's do it again. So, I only have some, um, some details. You know, I don't have a lot. So, I just like to brush over stuff, talk about these things. I'm not an in-depth girl, really. But we can go in depth later because, you know, that's what I like to do. Now, we're going to talk about his parents, his dad, Antonio Armstrong Singer, Singer, Senior. And also let me pause. If you want to take a minute and go Google what his daddy looks like. 
His daddy was a specimen. Do you hear me? I ain't even going to hold you. So, Antonio Armstrong Sr., he played in the NFL, and after he left the NFL, he owned a bunch of gyms. And him and his wife, Dawn, they had a home in Houston where AJ and his sister, Kara, lived. Now, Antonio Armstrong, a.k.a. Daddy, <laughs> he grew up in Houston, and he eventually got a full... <laughs> He just Googled the picture of Antonio. Y'all going to do the same when you see it. I promise you. You didn't see it, but he did something. <laughs> anyway, he grew up in Houston, and he got a full scholarship at Texas A&M as a linebacker. So he was into football. Um, he got picked up by the NFL in 1995, and he spent one year with the Miami Dolphins. After that point, maybe it seems like he wasn't as good as he thought because they shipped his ass off to Canada, and he stayed there for six years. After being released by the Rams for a little bit that he was there. So he bounced around, which is fine. Like, either way, he was still in the league, feel me? And everybody knew that. A lot of people don't even get to the league, okay? Like your kids. But anyway, um, <laughs> now Dawn was married prior to meeting Antonio, and she had another son. And his name was Josh. And Josh was adopted by Antonio early on. And then they would go on to have two more kids, which I mentioned, which was AJ and, sorry, I said her name wrong the first time, Kara, K-A-Y-R-A, Kira, Kiara, girl, I don't know, Kiara, she don't really have nothing to do with this story anyway, so we're just not going to say her name the right way. Now, his wife, Dawn, <laughs> was from Kansas, and she was known for being like really nice and sweet, you know, just very warming to everybody and she co-owned the gyms with Antonio and it was called first class training now Don's father which is AJ's grandfather told 2020 in an interview that he said my daughter she was a charmer she was one of a kind if you met her you would love her those two were also members of the local church which was called the spirit of life church where Antonio was an associate pastor you know why not go into the ministry after these things? Maybe the Lord called him that direction. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> That's all I'm like, girl. All right. <laughs> okay, so at that church, there was a child minister named Vicki Franco. And she said the family really was into like doing acts of service and dedication for the church. She said that him and his wife and his kids... They just literally served over here continually. They were the typical American family. They loved their kids and they taught their children the things in the way of the Lord. They were well liked and well respected and recognized for their hard work and welcoming demeanors. Now, when Antonio and Don were discovered shot into their home in 2016, the whole entire neighborhood, family and friends, everybody was gagged. OK, they was gagged. They said, according to them, everybody, they was just like very humble. Like they never bragged about having this money, that money, these gyms, that gyms. They just treated themselves and acted accordingly, which is really appreciated these days because the girls be acting like grand when it's not giving grandeur. <laughs> so. On July 29th, 2016, police got a call from AJ at age 16 reporting that he had heard some gunshots coming from his parents' room upstairs. So, 
When the first responders arrived, they discovered the pair in bed, both with gunshot wounds to the head and pillows over their faces. Don was pronounced dead on the scene, and then Antonio died in the hospital several hours later. Now, AJ was immediately detained by the police, and he claimed that he saw a masked man in the house. AJ says, yeah, like I saw him sprinting. That was his actual quote. Yeah, comma, like, comma, I saw him sprinting. He said that to them in an interview. Now, according to the other audio from the interview, investigators questioned him because at which point they could find no indication of an intruder. They also noted that the alarm for the house was not tripped. And when the police got there, the alarm was still on. So let me just pause and let's break down what I just said. AJ said there was a man in the house like sprinting with a mask. But when the police got there, AJ had to come to the front door and turn the alarm off to let the cops in. Now, Murderino's criminal folk, one plus one equals two. Let's make the math math. If somebody broke in the house, it's giving alarm trip. Unless, light bulb, somebody in the house did the shit. I'm just saying. Okay? Now, the police officers were really curious about the evidence that was discovered in the house. There was a bullet hole that was discovered that came in from AJ's room on the third floor bedroom and penetrated to the ceiling of his room, their room. So downward trajectory sounds kind of wild but you get what i'm saying it's giving shot down now when challenged by the law enforcement authorities they said hey we saw the hole then aj side decided to say oh um i was showing off a gun to my friend in the room a couple weeks earlier and i accidentally fired it huh you got so your mama didn't beat your ass after you accidentally shot through their living room i mean their bedroom I don't know about that, AJ. In addition, investigators on site discovered a burn mark on the carpet at the top of the stairs leading to the second story. Now, when the detectives asked AJ about that, he said that he had been playing with matches a few weeks earlier before the unalivings, and he accidentally dropped one. I don't know about matches, but I know about gun pal. And that sounds like, Gun pal to me. And y'all know what I mean by gun pal. I don't know what the fuck it's called, but gun pal. Spark. Pew, pew. You know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. Now, according to more of his investigation tape, the investigators told AJ that his story just was not making sense. It's not adding up. And that he knows more than what he is saying about what happened to his parents. And he just kept saying, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. There was a guy there in a mask, like sprinting and stuff. So after that initial interview, AJ was arrested as a child on capital murder charges, much to the surprise of the rest of his family. Of course, he entered a not guilty plea and he was then permitted to attend his parents' funeral in cuffs. So we're just gonna go to the funeral who of who I unalived, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go anyway, cause I just want I just want the girls to see the Oscar worthy 
performance that I give because my parents are not here anymore. I know this sounds a little judgy, but common sense be common. And sometimes it don't be common, girl. And for some reason, I know you got to go through the justice and the law and the things. But some things just make sense and some things just add up like they're supposed to. And it's giving. I'm not good at math, but I do know what four plus four is. He ate that and he killed them. <laughs> but anyway. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so after the funeral, they interviewed um, AJ's grandfather. His name is Keith Whitley. Hey, we're not related because that is my maiden name, just so you know. <laughs> the grandpa said, hey, I felt someone had gone insane attempting to accuse my grandson of murdering his mother and father. No way. Okay, well, of course, family is going to say stuff like that because, you know, AJ, beloved child beloved family why would he do something like that i don't know there's true crime podcasts tons of episodes about parents who are unalived by their children because the child didn't have a video game or the child got the wi-fi turned off and decided to unalive everybody in the house because the signal was terrible but we're not talking about that today we're talking about aj okay so they're about to start the trial, and there was a man named Rick DeToto, and he was AJ's attorney. Now, in an interview, when I say interview, most of this interview comes from the 2020 special that came out, I believe it was in February of this year. If you have time after the episode, watch that, because you'll get pretty much most of the same information, but you'll get to see people's visuals along with that. And also, you can check my YouTube, because I'm going to have visuals on it, too. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll have that, too. Anyway. He said that the authorities uncovered no tangible evidence linking his client to his parents' unalivings, such as gunshot residue on his fingers or on his person or the gun that was magically left at the scene. So there was no residue, no nothing, no nothing on AJ. So I don't know. Now it's giving, was I wrong the whole time or was I not? Also, according to DeToto, there was a handwritten letter in the residence that read, <laughs> y'all ready? I'm going to fix my voice so y'all can get into it. Picture this white paper, handwritten squabble of a unaliver. I have been watching for a long time. That's it. <laughs> That's all it said. <laughs> That's all it said. I have been watching for a long time, but on the paper, there was no fingerprints of AJ or his parents on said paper. There was no gloves or any proof that he had worn them. There was no bloody garments in the washer or dryer. And there's nothing in the case that connects him to any physical evidence. Now, if you rewind back to what I said a little bit ago, they said that they were heads were covered in pillowcases. So like if you shoot with a pillowcase, the splatter is not going to maybe not come out. It might be captured in the pillowcase. Or if it is, it's minuscule. I don't know. It's not like I can go test it out and see like what the fuck happens. But 
based on what I've seen. I'm not sure. So they're basically saying, hey, y'all can't prove it because he had no gunshot residue and there was no glove. There was no glove. If the glove didn't fit, you must acquit. Okay. Now, the prosecutors, on the other hand, they said that the absence of tangible evidence does not imply that AJ did not do said crime. AJ's counsel also raised additional questions that they came. They claimed that the police overlooked that may have shed light on the crime, such as one of, a break in at one of the clubs just after the murder. And when I say clubs, I mean gyms, gym club, fitness club. The investigators looked at the break in, but they found that it had nothing to do with the Armstrong's unalivings. So that was 2016. So we're going to fast forward. He was, for lack of a better word, chilling from 2016 to 2019 when the first trial started. So it's like, if you think about it in time, it's like right now. I mean, trials like, it'd be like right now. So right now, trial in 2019. His attorneys brought a bombshell accusation on the jurors claiming that AJ's half-brother Josh from his mother was actually the real killer. The defense said that Josh had mental health concerns and could have easily gained access to the house that night. That's kind of how I feel about OJ's son, but that's another topic at hand altogether (laughs) because I do feel like that. Anyway, they said that Josh had access to the residence just like AJ did. In fact, Josh was at the house the night that this happened. And in like ways of direction, Josh's apartment was less than one minute away from the Armstrong's house. So, I mean, here comes the doubt. Here comes the hung jury because guess what? It possibly could have been Josh. We don't know. So the police did investigate Josh and they said, "Uh uh-uh, it's not Josh. We're going to not pay attention to him at all. So Josh was never summoned to testify in this case. And the prosecutor, prosecutor said, hey, don't worry about it. He had nothing to do with that. Instead, the prosecutor said that AJ had drug problems. They said he had a strained relationship with his parents as a result of dismal grades. Now, I know high school, you know, it's been a while for me and I do have a teenager Grays do be wild, but I don't, for me, let me just preface that for me, I never had a bad relationship or strained relationship with my parents because my grades were bad. Number one, let's be very clear. My grades were not bad ever. Okay. But I don't know. Maybe his parents had a different set of expectations in the ways of what his grades were going to look supposed to look like, because those were not the type of grades he was always getting. Maybe something changed. They ended up contending this saying that the family had caught him in different lies and all these things in regards to school. And that was the motivation to unalive his parents. At the end of that trial, the jury eventually deadlocked. And here comes boom mistrial. So from 19 to October of 2022, there was another trial that started. And the judge declared a second mistrial because the jury was unable to reach a unanimous decision in the capital murder case against AJ. The prosecutors attempted to demonstrate that AJ was entangled in a feud with his parents again about his grades and his behavior. 
They claimed that the murders were carried out by someone who was in the house, saying that neither the burglar alarm system nor the evidence indicated any forced entry, which also goes back to, hey, could have been AJ, could have been Josh, or let's keep it funky, it could have been his sister, because nobody's talking about the sister. Where was Kira? Where was Kyra? Where was homegirl during all this point? I'm not sure. Maybe we need to look into her too. Now, the second trial was basically a back and forth of fresh evidence and an alternate suspect, which was Josh, because he was technically the black sheep of the family. And at that time, he was 19. According to AJ's defense team, the Houston police targeted him without completing a full examination of the crime scene. So after the initial mistrial, the judge and the lead attorneys filed various different motions, including requesting that the judge allow them to submit fresh evidence that Josh was the suspect. They said that law enforcement has not done almost anything to investigate Josh in 2,264 days. We believe the evidence will demonstrate that there was a confirmation bias. And I'm guessing that means, girl, look somewhere else because AJ didn't do it. It might have been Josh. But like I just said a few minutes ago, it might have been the sister because nobody's talking about the sister. Prosecutors did tell the jurors that they will hear the supporting evidence and uh, they just didn't know. So at that point, they were just going by AJ saying there was somebody else in the house. Like I said, his sister. And they said Josh. And there was also both the parents were still there. So you never know, like could have been something else going on. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Now, on the trial that was the mistrial in October, Kira, the sister, she testified for like 90 minutes. And she said that she discussed her relationship with AJ and Josh. And there was some tension between her and the boys. She said that her views on Josh were mixed. And even though she loved them, she felt somewhat easy around him, uneasy around him at the moment. So after the jury was unable to reach an unanimous decision, guess what? Mistrial number two. Now, it's been multiple years. The neighborhood is still trying to figure out what's going on. The family's still trying to figure out what's going on. And um, AJ is just still living. No, he's not locked up. Okay. Well, I mean, shit. You ain't, you ain't proved it. You ain't, you ain't got nothing. So guess what? He's not there. Okay. So let's go back to the second mistrial for a second. Because, you know, I try to be writing scripts, but sometimes scripts don't be scripting. And I be out of lore. I be out of order. So... <laughs> During the second day of the second trial that was in October, they had four witnesses, okay? And I didn't notice that before because I wrote this a long time ago, but it was four witnesses. Now, it was four people, and it was three law enforcement officers and one EMT. And they all described what they saw when they got to the Armstrong's house that night. Now, the cop who was the first one to arrive, he said that he had to separate AJ and his sister since he thought the murderer was still in the house and not outside. So he kept them separate, you know, just in case, you know, somebody was coming back for somebody or one of them was it. The lieutenant stated that the home's doors and windows did not appear to have been broken into and that a pistol and a message were found on the kitchen counter. It's giving very much lifetime. Like, let's leave a note and a paper, but it's also giving very juvenile. So I don't think a seasoned unaliver is going to leave a note and a gun on the kitchen counter like girl make sure you see this when you get in here okay make sure you look at this note now the second witness was a houston emt and he described a very gory scene in the couple's bedroom he did testify that he was the one who pronounced don unalive 
and got the extra assistance for Antonio, who was bleeding from the face, but at the time still had a pulse. Now, the third witness was another police sergeant. He said he opened the back door to follow the extra officers in the kitchen. And the sergeant stated that a female cop used her bare hands, <laughs> bare hands to pick up a wep that weapon with the note. He claims he told her to return the gun and document it as extra material, but she never did. So hearing that very much gives immediate mistrial because it's mishandling of evidence by the cops. So she basically botched the whole shit from the jump. So of course they weren't going to unmistrial him at that point because she had fucked it up because she should know better. I wonder what happened to her. I bet they didn't give her name because they probably was like, girl, you so goddamn stupid. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> what? Girl, let me just. This is what it sounded like too when she picked it up. <laughs> let me just. Let me just get this. Girl. No. <laughs> So on the third day of trial, there was three other witnesses. Now, the first one was another police officer who said that AJ was very withdrawn, quiet and creepy. He said that he had to read him his rights out loud, tell him exactly what it meant. And then AJ had to initial each sentence. But let's fast forward, fast forward. Finally, the trial's seventh witness came on the stand and it was a crime scene officer. And he said that his role was to document the incident as well as collect, collect and preserve evidence. He stated that there was many pieces of evidence, including the pistol and the notes on the counter, <laughs> both of which was confirmed. They read the note out loud in court. And like I said earlier, I've been watching for a while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching for a while girl what you been watching goosebumps like <laughs> it was it was it's kind of unnecessary like dramatic flair I don't think so now back to Kira because you know I don't talk about her a lot we're gonna get back to Kira she also went along to testify and said that the family exclusively used the garage door to access the house and that the alarm system was defective Sis also said that the garage had a code that allowed the access to the house and only the family and close friends knew the number. She said that that day she was picked up and driven home by AJ and he appeared to be normal. She said AJ allegedly woke her up later when the cops arrived at the door. Now Kira said regarding Joshua, she said that Josh attempted to burn down their grandma's house one day and Josh allegedly lit a small fire at their family home just days before. Now, rewind. Remember when I said the police had tried to say that AJ was the one that lit that little fire. But Sis is saying that it was Josh. Sis also said under cross-examination that she spent the week before the murder at her grandma's house. Therefore, she had no direct knowledge of how her parents and her brothers were interacting leading up to the days of their unaliving. So we fast forwarding. That was October of 22. Now, here we go. February 2024. 2023. <laughs> February 24th, 
February 24th, 2023, okay? That's when the most latest trial started. Now, before this trial started, 2020 came out. And 2020 definitely, like I did, lots of reasonable doubt. Lots of, girl, I don't know. Lots of, I'm not sure. So I watched the documentary, of course. And everything that I had read and researched prior to doing this and before I even thought to do this story, everything was there. So it's like, mm, y'all didn't really give me no other information. And they thought it best to bring forward that, you know, AJ is 23 now. He has the same girlfriend he had from high school. They have a baby. And now they're trying to say, they wonder if now as a father, does that make him feel any type of way that if he did unalive his child, Will that affect his mental capacity to be an active dad? No. <laughs> no. You know how many unalivers out here? His parents. Child BTK was at his daughter's bake sale. Do you hear me? Serving cookies. And BTK'd all them women. Y'all know exactly who BTK is. We don't talk about them on here. But you know who BTK is. Okay. Anyway. In the end, his third, at the end of his third trial, guess what happened? They found him guilty. <gasps> at the third trial, seven years later, they found him guilty. And he was subsequently given dramatic pause. A life sentence. So after three trials and seven years of his quote, quote, freedom, he will spend the rest of his life in jail. And to be quite honest, it's actually a shame to think that all of this stemmed from being kicked out of a private school, a, a really fancy private school, because his grades were trash and his parents was whooping that ass because his grades was trash. So he decided, y'all not about to whoop my ass. Guess what I'm about to do? Unalive. All because his parents was not having him falling by the wayside like so many children do these days. I don't know how to feel about that. I also don't know how to feel that it took seven years. I also feel some type of way about it being not one, but two mistrials. And then if there was two mistrials, I need to get, I need to see something else that tells me what exactly happened in this third trial that made them just be like, fuck it. He guilty. What was the difference between evidence now and the evidence from seven years ago? Y'all what's, what's thesis? <laughs> what happened? What's going on? I know y'all going to hear this and I'm going to make sure on um, Spotify, they have that question thing. I'm going to pose that question in there. What information do you think was different seven years later that made them find him guilty versus the first two times when he was not? I'm going to leave y'all on that so y'all can work through that. Let's talk about that. Bring it to my messages, but don't bring no stupid shit. You know, I don't do that. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I am so excited to be back. You guys, I hope y'all listened to my new theme song. Did you, you loved it, didn't you? I know. I know. It was great. It was great. That's all I got. Talk to y'all next time. Bye.